step one, ask them what the environment means to them. Okay, so what does the environment mean to you? When you think about the environment, when you think about acting on the environment, what, what do you think about? And here people generally answer with something abstract or something not really connected to them. They've been ambushed. They say, oh, you know, I, I recycle. And someone's like, oh, well, you don't recycle enough. So people protect themselves. They don't share what they really care about. So I have to go back and forth a few times, speaking in a supportive, non-judgmental way until it comes out. And it's often something non-verbal, something the time they went fishing with their grandfather in the Pacific Northwest or hiking in the mountains or swimming with the dolphins or some dystopic future that they're afraid of, something in the gut. And once that comes out and I've reinforced it, I say, I invite you at your option to think of something you do to act on that. And usually people come up with something that's not personal, something disconnected from that. Oh, I'll go without straws for a week, something like that. Or, or else they think, well, you know, what I do doesn't matter. It's, it's something has to be so big. And I have to say, you know, it's not about fixing all the world's problems by yourself overnight. It's something for you to do yourself, acting on your values. It's not about the world. And then I go back and forth a few times because they usually don't want to do stuff. And they, they've been walked into ambushes before. And then they get it and they usually say something like, oh, you know, they, maybe they hike in the Pacific Northwest when they saw that Coca-Cola bottle or something like that on the ground. Or then they say, you know, maybe I'll pick up some trash. I'll pick up a piece of trash every day for a month. When they came up with it, then it's for them meaningful. I say, let's make it a smart goal, so specific and time-bound. And then, and then I say, let's talk again, so I add some accountability. And so if they say they're not going to eat meat for two weeks, I say, oh, can we talk in two weeks? And they say, yes. That's what I recommend doing. In part two, Josh explains his self-developed habit-forming technique called Sidcha and breaks down the step-by-step -step approach that anyone can embrace to create more positive habits and behaviors in their life. Josh also invites me to take on my personal environmental challenge. We discuss the broader environmental challenges facing society and the planet before jumping into the rapid-fire questions that turn out not to be rapid-fire answers. I hope you enjoy the intellect, the inspiration, the environmental action and the leadership principles of Joshua Spodek. Joshua, welcome to part two of the podcast. Glad to be here. Great. I want to get back to the, the whole thing of behaviour change. And you've, you've got a, a model um, called Self-Imposed Daily Challenging Healthy Activity. I think you, the acronym is SIDCHA. Yeah. Now, whether that's applied to environmental behaviours or physical behaviours or changing, making any change in your life, it seems to be a, a proven model you've developed. Could you just deconstruct it for our listeners? Yeah. Can I give the story that led to it? Yes, of course. It began with... It began with a blog. I was writing a blog, and this is in the... I think I started in 2007, 2008, 2009, and a friend of mine set up my page. This was before... This is when WordPress was just starting, mm -hmm. and my friend set it up without... not using WordPress. And I was writing every couple of days. A different friend comes by and says, Josh, write. Write in your blog more. And I said, yeah, it's kind of complicated. He goes, just use WordPress. Switch to WordPress, and it's much easier. So I was like... He started setting up. What so, were you using TypePad? Six it's, par or something. Yeah. It's I, it, it'll come to me in a yeah. second. Movable type. Oh, movable type. Yeah, yeah. And my friend said, you know, whenever there's some competition, there's one free software alternative. The free software alternative will almost always take over. Mm -hmm. So he switched it for me. So he's he's sitting there with my computer typing away, and I say, hey, how often do you post? Monday, Wednesday, Friday, when you have an idea. And he turns, we've been joking around having a good time. He turns to me dead serious. He's like, every day. If you miss one day, you can miss two. If you miss two, it's all over. Mm -hmm. I thought, oh, okay, I guess I'll post every day. So I started posting every day. I thought at the beginning that I'd run out of posts. I thought I had like, I don't know, 50, 100 maybe tops ideas. But what I found was that as you practice a skill, you develop that skill and you get better at it. So I started writing every day and I kept, I, I've written every day since that day. And I think I'm, I think I start. I think I finished my tenth year in January. And okay, so I'm writing every day. Then I come across, as I mentioned, this guy saying that the burpee is the potential single best exercise. And up until then, I'd been, you know, stopping playing ultimate. And there was no. I'd run some marathons, but that's not. I don't think that makes you particularly healthy. I was going to the gym, but the gym costs money, and if it's raining, I don't know if I'm going to go. And suddenly there's this thing I can do at home, doesn't cost anything, no spotter, no very low risk of injury. And I start doing burpees every day. All right, so now I'm doing burpees every day. I'm writing every day. And then I come across this thing to take cold showers. So I do cold showers every day for 30 days. And that, that I've tried that. That must have been the hardest <laughs> one. That was, that's, yeah, that's pretty hard. Yeah. I mean, it's only- Cold showers in New York in wintertime, even summertime. This was in the winter, yeah. Uh. 
And so I'm standing in the shower one day and I'm thinking, these things are really benefiting my life. And why are they working so well? What's going on here? And I thought, someone who lifts weights every day and someone who meditates every day, these are two things that if people who get into it, that improves their lives. But if you look at the activities, they're very, very different. So what's in common? What is the th- what's in common with all these things that benefit p- people's lives that smoking a cigarette every day or reading the paper every day doesn't qualify? And I was just going back and forth, and I came up with self-imposed. That is, if you ha- if you have to go to work or you lose your apartment, that's not the same thing. Mm-hmm. You have to choose to do it. It's a voluntary choice. So self-imposed were the terms that I came up with there. Daily, you have to take choice out of it. it and I mean, there are some things I do every other day. So it's not, it doesn't strictly have to be daily, but daily. Challenging. All right, so brushing your teeth every day, I, I recommend it. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the last time I didn't brush my teeth in a day, but it's not, it's not, gonna, mm-hmm. it's not, like, not, not like a Hemingway it's type cool, habit. It's not a cool shower. <laughs> yeah. Healthy, so smoking cigarettes, and active. Mm-hmm. Physically doing something, of which meditation counts, even though it doesn't, doesn't look physically active. And then I mentioned to someone, I, I just came up with this term Sidsha, as opposed to daily habit, or as opposed to, so Sitcha. And then someone mentioned me, he, as I'm talking to him on the phone, he goes, oh, you know, Sitcha.com is available. So I quick got it. And I've found Sitchas to be, it's like, if you want to improve your life, and all of my Sitchas that I've done, I don't think I've spent a penny yet. I mean, maybe for, I guess, for hosting my blog, I mean, a couple dollars mm-hmm. over the course of 10 years. And the self-awareness, the ability to know my values, to prioritize my life based on those values to say I'm going to do something and then do it. My physical fitness. I've probably net saved money actually because I'm buying less stuff. It's just incredible. And it's so simple. And there's another big thing. There's two big pieces of advice, pieces of advice on starting habits or sitchas. One of them is the choice of which one to do. There's a large range. You could do something fitness related like burpees or running or swimming or Although I don't recommend things that require equipment or a certain place, like swimming, because sometimes you're, you can't do it. Mm-hmm. But they could be artistic, so drawing a picture every day or playing violin every day. It could be... Probably journaling doesn't count. Well, it could, it could be self-awareness. Mm-hmm. Like, so writing, I mean, I count my writing my blog every day, writing in a journal every day, I think it would count, or writing the, the gratitude stuff. It could be business-related. It could be you know, making three cold calls a day or writing down three business ideas a day. It can be social, talking to a new person every day. So there's a lot of things people can do. So which one to start with? Because they all sound so great. There's some of the benefits of a Sidcha are specific to the thing that you do. So if you draw a picture every day, you get some aesthetic benefits. Or if you lift weights every day, you get strength. Mm -hmm. And some of them are common to any Sidcha. So the self-awareness, the learning your priorities, the be able to move things around in life to make sure that you do what what you consider important. And in my experience, this is loosely speaking, it's like 95% of any sitcha is the thing to, that's for any sitcha. The strength for lifting or the self-awareness from meditation, those are a 5% effect. So if you pick the wrong one, then 95% is you're going to get anyway. Mm-hmm. And if it happens that you do one and after a while you realize that, you know, I've been doing all this social stuff with talking to a new person every day. But really, I want to do something that's more artistic, and maybe I'll switch to singing every day. Just switch. But you'll switch then based on awareness. You won't feel like you wasted time with the earlier one. The other thing is, how much do you start with? A lot of I used to, someone would say, I want to start with doing push-ups every day. How many should I start with? And I used to give this instruction. When you get home, do as many as, many as you can without really pushing too hard, and then subtract two. So if you can sit, if you can drop down and do 10 pushups, do eight a day. But I was looking at the wrong thing. The challenge of a habit is not not starting it. Floss your teeth. There, you started a habit. The challenge is not stopping. So here's what I found. Think of the worst day you've ever had. Think of the worst day you, you anticipate you could have. Like your kid is sick. You got food poisoning. You puked. You're going to lose your apartment. You're about to get fired. You have a big presentation the next day. It's raining. Just think of that day. How many can you do that day? Because you can't predict or plan around that day. It just happens. You wouldn't make it happen if you wanted to. 
And if you miss that day, well, if you miss one day, you can miss two. If you miss two, it's all over. Mm. How many? So if you can drop down and do 100 push-ups without breaking a sweat, but on that do, day, you're only going to do one, then your number is one. Now, do 100 if you want, but only count it. You only have to do one. So do one a day for as long as you can, or for as long as forever. And then one day, if you know that on that day from this experience, you can do two, then move it to two. Do, do 100 in a day if you want, but really it's only two. And then one day, if you feel like, you know what, I can do three. So it's a big decision for me every time I go. It's been a long time since I've been doing the number of burpees per day that I do now. But when I went from 10 to 11, that was a big decision. From 11 to 12 a day, that was a big decision. From 12 a day to 13 a day, that was a big decision. But when you know that no matter what happens, you can do whatever number that is. And whatever it is, it doesn't have to be a physical exercise. If you know on whatever day you'll do 20 minutes of meditation, then you know something about yourself and you will not drop it. Mm-hmm. From a personal standpoint, is there anything on your, say, uh, Sitcha event horizon that you're going, yeah, it's coming. I've got to work out what it is. Of a new Sitcha coming? Yeah. I don't, I don't, th- I, I've been thinking, should I add another burpee? But I've been adding lots of things around the burpees because mm-hmm. I don't think more of them make a difference. So, no, I'm wondering if there's something else. I mean, you're already living a very sustainable life with your the no, limited trash and with your food consumption your exercise, your blogging. Is there anything missing in your in your lifestyle or that you're, you're aware of that in the back of your mind thinking, I need to add that as a behavior or change something as a behavior? I mean, it would be more taking things away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's plenty. I'm not looking for it. There's so much that I could chase that could improve my life. And I hope that I'm optimizing things and I hope that I will optimize more, but it's more like like the cheese thing. It, it, my mind just kind of works around what what seems like the next thing to pursue. I guess actually no. I've been you know that second TEDx talk. Each of both of the TEDx talks have led to a lot of other talks and corporate workshops and working with all these corporations to help them develop their environmental leadership abilities at a corporate level and at a personal level. Mm. I, I guess I've been thinking about trying to up my game with the public speaking because I'm starting to get the standing ovations and it's really encouraging. And I guess I'm at a point now where the ovation is not, it feels great. I'm not going to lie, but it's not that I, it's not my feeling great. It's like, Oh, this could be really effective. I'm now a part of something greater than myself. And that's driving me. And that's a great, I mean, that's why when you said frugal, I'm like, I'm doing, I'm, I'm totally wrapped up in something that's that's greater than myself and, and benefiting myself and benefiting, I hope, all of us. And I hope to bring this, in in my heart, I believe that I'm bringing a message of and, and a, an experience of joy and stewardship and responsibility and service to others that people want. My mm-hmm. model of leadership is helping people do what they wanted to do before but didn't couldn't figure out how to. I think everyone wants to, pollute less. I don't know anyone who wants to pollute more, but they can't figure out how because they're caught up in other things. And if I can improve my leadership skills to reach broader audiences and and inspire them more, should I get a a coach for public speaking or hire someone to start putting me out there more? That's something I've been thinking of lately, but it's so, so recently that I'm not sure I mean, no one would look at me speaking and say, well, there's a Martin Luther King right there. I, I'm, I'm far from that. But but all the things, I that mean, level besides, of influence. besides your environmental behaviors, everything you're doing is having a personal benefit. And what you're describing to me sounds like you could start to have a much more societal benefit if you started to embrace these speaking opportunities and being out there more. Well, that's my. That's what I'm trying to do. Is is society? Mm-hmm. That's always been what I'm trying to do. Anyone who looks at me and sees me just working with individuals, well, that's just because I'm talking to one person at a time usually. But that's not the goal. The goal is not individual change. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get nowhere working with individuals. Of course, if you don't change individuals, well, you would if it was, as you say, if it was Oprah, because then she, the sort of the. I'm working with an individual still, mm-hmm. but that's not the point. 
yeah, I'm ho- I, I hope I make her happier. I think I will. But she's she's a leverage point of a system. She's someone who is in an half a billion people's communities. Mm-hmm. So it's not that that's not individual. That may be in changing one individual, but that's that's not the point. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is what we have to look out for next to see you expand your I hope we join in I mean I, I think that definitely we would love to I think that we want to be part of it anyone who looks at environmental action anyone who looks can't at stand by and just watch it I mean I wanted to talk to you about it's just an observation it's I was at an event last week with an organization called Your Mom Cares so mm-hmm. it's Adam Levine's mom Alicia Key's mom Jonah Hill's mom got together under Michelle Obama doing a PSA and then they created this NGO and they said we're dealing with a, a dreadful crisis in mental health amongst children and youth. Uh, suicide rates are the highest ever. Feelings of social isolation have, have never been on a level they're uh, scale they're at at the moment. The use of drugs and opioids, the list goes on. And they want to change the narrative and behaviours around mental health, uh, illness to mental wellness. And they've got this movement around it. But I was at their event in the West Village. And as they were talking it just made me think that when they were talking about these levels of anxiety, I've not heard many people talk about the issue of eco-anxiety. And around us, as we are talking about it, you know, I feel it myself. And we watch, and everyone, I'm sure downstairs, in Neuhaus probably has a certain element. But you can't, you can't turn, your, turn a, a page on a newspaper, look at a blog or, or a news site, and not be aware, as you said earlier, of the information out there around the environment. Mm-hmm. And it must be... There must be a, a, an element of anxiety, even if it's feeling guilt or feeling a sense of helplessness about this impending crisis that we're, mm-hmm. we're, we're facing. And I'm just wondering if it's something that you've witnessed or if you've uh, encountered in the conversations you've had. Yeah, it's universal. Basically, everyone on the planet feels the same way. It's, we have a disaster looming, and I'm contributing to it. And they have various excuses as to why their plane isn't emitting jet fuel or somehow that they're paying for it doesn't do it. And that's causing them some dissonance. And so they put it out of their mind Mm. and they keep doing what they're doing. And so does everyone else. And so everyone's got this level of of anxiety. And now what's crazy is that they also, in principle, know how to get out of it. When you give your best, whether you win or lose the game, you feel great. Yeah, you prefer to win. But you feel great if you do your best. If you lose because if it's, you know, I'll speak in sports terminology, but it could be lots of things. If you don't do your best and you fail, well, big surprise. You know why. And so you have a whole world full of people who are not doing their best and they're losing. And if they do their best, they will not, how the outcome comes out will matter somewhat. But really it's how, how well, what you do. Mm-hmm. And Everyone is finding excuses. They're following the lead of the scientists, the legislators, the journalists, everybody. Even Greta is like asking people to panic. Everyone is saying pollute less and they are themselves not polluting less. It doesn't matter what anyone else is doing. Anyone who hears my voice, if you pollute less, you will feel better. And if when it comes up to the things that are hard for you to give up, like your grandmother's funeral or your job, you're not going to die. You're not even going to suffer. You're going to learn how to live sustainably. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sucks that we were born at a time when the systems around us were, de- were designed around beliefs that we tiny little humans could not heat an entire planet the size of like incomparably bigger than us. Look at the Pacific Ocean. No one believed we could fill it with plastic or empty it of fish. And we're doing it. Well, I'm sorry to say that we live in a world where the systems that we created are producing the results that we're getting. And if you participate in those systems, you are contributing to that. That is, I, Sorry if that makes you feel bad. That's not a, a moral issue. That's the way it's happening. And if you grew up in that system, you have people who live far away from you. A flight will bring you to someone. Flying in general makes it so that people in your life are far away in the first place. There are some, by not flying... There are some people I will never in my life see again. That's the future. Or billions of people, climate refugees and mm-hmm. catastrophe. There's no, there's no two ways about this. You can either try to, f- here's the strategy most people have. Disaster is coming, what do I do? 
I will figure out how to way to make myself sleep at night by convincing myself that I'm not really part of that. Mm-hmm. That's everyone else. Or we change. Mm-hmm. And if you change and you give your, do your best, you'll feel great. There are two things. I've heard you talk about Project Drawdown, which is a resource that... Book. Yeah, it started uh-huh. as a book, and I think there's a website that documents all the simple things that could be implemented mm-hmm. to address climate change, which I think is a great resource, and I'll put that in the show notes. The other is the word procrastination, that it feels like we're both, whether you're it's people living in denial or just procrastinating to do exactly what you said, putting off the day when they finally start. Mm-hmm. The question is, those days are running out for us to actually start at scale mm-hmm. to do something about this. I mean, I know you've talked you talked earlier about the Sitcha and, and you yourself took some time to start some mm-hmm. of your behavior changes. Is there anything you could advice you would give in terms of how we confront our own procrastination? Because I think a lot of us are dealing with with this. Well, I procrastinate uh, as much as anybody. I mean, if you just look today, see my, look up Reddit and Spodek, and you'll see I posted a bunch of stuff today. And I, Hacker News I posted today. I, I like I, I procrastinate. I'm the same as anybody. But I've never met a parent if I ask them what's the longest you've gone after the baby started crying, before you changed the diaper. Mm. No one has ever said more than a minute or two. There's some things you don't procrastinate on. And one of my sitchas is to, every morning I get up, this one I stumbled into. I did not intend for this to happen. But for some reason, I went for a brief period where I I set my alarm and I said, within 60 seconds of my alarm going off, I'm going to wake up, make my bed, cross the room, turn off the alarm. Mm. It was a brutal couple months. And then one day it clicked. I was like, wait, this is making my life really awesome. And the feeling of like, ah, oh, I don't want to get up is really hard. But I also knew, you know, if I just kick the covers off and I just stand up, I know every single time I do it, I feel great. I know that that shift will happen. Mm-hmm. And so I pushed through that a little bit. And so I developed these skills. And these skills are applicable all over in life. And if you practice the basics, you learn skills. If you don't practice the basics, you don't learn skills. It's as simple as that. And you stop practicing, you, start, you, you lose the skills. So if you want to learn how to do stuff, you know, practice the basics of, of those things. Start with simple sitchas, I guess. But the environment stuff is, to me, oh, man, this, I would listen to my podcast. I'm sorry, I'd listen to my first TEDx talk and listen to the podcast, too. The first TEDx talk, I described the four-step process I walked the guests through. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go into it now. If you want me to, I can. Let me know. Yeah, go into it, yeah. So there's a four-step process. Step one, Ask them what the environment means to them. I guess step zero might be, does the, is the environment something you care about? Mm-hmm. That's always a yes. And if they kind of dawdle on that, I, you know, I talk about clean air, clean water, clean land, or mercury in the fish, and oh, no one wants mercury in their fish. Okay, so what does the environment mean to you? When you think about the environment, when you think about acting on the environment, what, what do you think about? And here people generally answer with something abstract or something not really connected to them. They've been ambushed. They've been called, you know, they say, oh, you know, I, I recycle. And someone's like, oh, well, you don't recycle enough. So people protect themselves. They don't share what they really care about. So I have to go back and forth a few times, speaking in a supportive, non-judgmental way until it comes out. And it's often something non-verbal, something the time they went fishing with their grandfather in the Pacific Northwest or hiking in the mountains or swimming with the dolphins or some dystopic future that they're afraid of, something in the gut. And once that comes out and I've reinforced it, I say, I wonder if you could, I invite you at your option to think of something you do to act on that. And usually people come up with something that's not personal, something disconnected from that. Oh, go without straws for a week. Something like that. Mm. And I say, or, or else they think, well, you know, what I do doesn't matter. It's, it's something has to be so big. Or I'll tell my, my employees to do it. And I have to say, you know, it's not about fixing all the world's problems by yourself overnight. It's something for you to do yourself, acting on your values. It's not about the world. And then I go back and forth a few times because they usually don't want to do stuff. And they, they've been walked into ambushes before. And then they get it and they usually say something like, oh, you know, they, maybe they, if it was um, hiking the Pacific Northwest when they saw that coca-cola bottle or something like that on the ground or then they say you know maybe i'll pick up some trash i'll pick up a piece of trash every day for a month and because it's see if i told them that i had no idea what it would come from where it would come from Mm -hmm. when they came up with it then it's for them meaningful one guy was about apple trees where he grew up in kazakhstan or somewhere apparently it's he told me that that's where apples where humans encountered apples and all the apples come from some area there and i don't know several thousand years ago spread and he said a lot of them are getting paved over now some species are gone forever and he lives in New York now, and he came up with something of, of not taking taxis on Fridays. Now, I couldn't have made that connection. I had no idea about apples in Kazakhstan. I don't, 
but he does, and that's meaningful to him. And if I told him, why don't you not take a taxi on Friday, out of the blue, it wouldn't make any <laughs> sense. But for him, it makes sense, and for him, it's meaningful. So then when they come up with something, then I say, let's make it a smart goal, so specific and time-bound. Yeah. And, then, and then I say, let's talk again, so I add some accountability. And so if they say they're not going to eat meat for two weeks, I say, oh, can we talk in two weeks? And they say, yes. That's what I recommend doing. And one day, when I'm doing a primetime special with Oprah or LeBron or whatever, Oprah or maybe I, we're going to turn to the camera and say, Oprah's going to say, I hope, if it, if it gets across, that she'll say, you know, don't just copy me. If she goes without coffee, disposable coffee cups for a week, I hope she says, don't copy me. I mean, copy me if you want, but meet with your husband, your wife, with your kids, with your family. Get together and ask each other, what does the environment mean to you? And keep going until something comes out, something meaningful. You'll know it when you feel it. And then and have it go the other way. Have them say it with you. And you'll come up with something that matters to you. Because we've all seen nature disappearing. We've all seen some, we all got something in our gut and we're all protecting it. And then keep going back and forth until, you know, something you come up with to act on that for yourself. And I think, but it's for myself. That's so selfish. Florida's going to be underwater. Florida may be underwater. Florida may not be underwater, but you care about something and you can act on it. And when you act on something you care about, you'll like the results. And so sit, sit down with your husband, your wife, your kids, your family, or whatever, whoever you do this with, and keep going back and forth until something comes out, and then make it a smart goal and agree to meet again so there's some account accountability and talk about how it went. And I guarantee they're going to have the same results. Whoever's listening to me now, if you go through this process with your spouse or your family or whoever you sit down with, and I recommend it, you, you're going to feel great at the end of doing it. However, you're going to think, you're going to look forward to doing it. You're going to think, oh, I've been meaning to pick up a piece of garbage every day. I've been meaning to cut out this for my diet or whatever. And after you do it, you will feel better for having done it than not having done it. And the reason I say listen to my podcast is you're going to hear all these guests who go through the process and they're like, oh yeah, I actually felt cleaner picking up garbage than not picking it up. And you'll go through that. And you'll say what a lot of them say, I didn't realize I could do this. Now that I've done it, I want to do more. Could I make mine? What does the environment mean to you? Well, I, the, the one for me being a kook, uh, is to do zero packaging. but Ah, I'm, you're talking strategy. But what do you think about? Oh, the environment? Yeah, when you think about What's uh, motivating you? I mean, everything. I mean, I'm concerned about insect apocalypse. I'm concerned about the, the, the air. I'm concerned about just the, obviously the sea and the, pl the plastic's the obvious one because everyone goes to that. So you've listed a few things. Yeah. Let's take insects because that came up first. Uh -huh. But if you want to talk about something else, when you think about the insect apocalypse, what do you think about besides the words? I think about the fact that they're the base of the ecosystem, and if that goes, then everything else there's a, a synergistic, or, or there's a, a detrimental effect to everything else. It's it's like if you still have the insects, the whole chain of life breaks down. So I mean, what that may happen after we're gone. I know, I mean, but it, but it, it's it's to do. Well, you don't know exactly the reason why, but I can I assume it's a lot to do with either combination of um, carbon um, pollution, pesticides, a whole combination of factors. It's still I'm still not. This doesn't connect with you in any way. You haven't connected it to yourself. I haven't. Oh no, you said what do I worry about or th or think about and care about? Yeah, I care about it, but it doesn't affect me directly. So what's the caring? That for me personally, yeah, that affects me on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah, why does the stuff that happens out there affect you here now, or when you're thinking about it? Because I'm, I'm sort of incapable of affecting it with any sort of obvious behavior change, other than creating a narrative around it and speaking to people and trying to understand more about it and so understand why it's happening. I'm picking up, and correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Confusion or helplessness or well, a futility. Impotence is, is a word I'd probably use to so, do anything about it. So an impotent, and now the world may fall apart, but actually, if, if I read you right, what's bothering you is a powerlessness and impotence that is that makes that's what actually makes you feel uncomfortable. If I read you right, yeah, there's that. Yeah, that's one. I mean, among I many, give, yeah, and give you other one, you know, other ones as well. I mean, the, obviously, the plastic thing makes me feel deeply uncomfortable. Why I went to Arcadia Earth and bought a Stojo cup that I take everywhere, and when I go into Starbucks, I'm the only person, or into 
Pret, the only person handing over a cup to be filled when everyone else is getting plastic or paper. And like, this is crazy. Why can't other people start following that? That that frustration drives me nuts as well. So frustration, confusion from what you're doing, what other, what isn't being done. Mm. And, a, uh, and a bewilderment as to why more people aren't doing it. So, okay. So the... But then when I hear you speak about the pa zero packaging and I watch B's videos, I go, right, mm. I've got to do something. Because I can do that. I can change that. Ah, so this, so I, I, I'm now hearing a, a more complex set of things. Mm. It was already complex. There's a frustration, a, be a bewilderment, an impotence, and then there's an I can. Oh, there's, there's tons there's of I can. I know there's a lot of I can do. Okay, so based on that, on this frustration, this bewilderment, this powerlessness, and the, at the same time, this feeling of, I think, accomplishment or anticipation of accomplishment, mm. I invite you at your option to act on that. And now it doesn't have to be something that fixes all the world's problems. It doesn't have to be big at all. But it does have to be something you do yourself, not telling someone else what to do. Mm -hmm. It has to be new, something you're not already doing. And it has to be something physically, have a physically measurable result, although you don't have to measure it. It could be long or short, that's up to you. But something that acts on those things. Now you may have thought of something already, but I'm not sure if it's acting on those things. No, I know exactly what it is. I mean, I cycle every day, so I, I, do, I, I can't do anything about, you know, I'm, I'm pretty healthy that way and then having a positive impact. And I rarely take taxis. We'll come back and talk about the flying occasionally. Mm -hmm. But the zero packaging, it's got to be that. I have to do that because it's well within my control. So if And you, it's just going to take effort and and attention to detail and planning and stuff, so I have to do it. So... Is that something that you, if, does it, does it, are you bewildered why you do it now? And are you, I hadn't thought about it like until, I can? until I started listening to your podcast uh -huh. and I didn't know anything about B. I was like, oh, and I, I think back to my grandfather living in the countryside in Scotland. He was a gamekeeper uh -huh. and going up to his house when I was a wee kid, going down to the river and getting salmon and then cooking the salmon and having the vegetables in the garden. There was no packaging in that house. Mm -hmm. Everything was sustainable from the land. Yeah, there was no packaging ever up until recently. Yeah. yeah, recently in human history. So look at that. I mean, I can't exactly go down. Well, I could go down to the Hudson and fish during the summer. You know, you're not going to catch I, me. I've actually started foraging in the city, in, mm -hmm. in Manhattan. And I'm not going to tell you where because there's some really good stuff out there. And uh, well, my, I'll my, take you. If, yeah, if, I wouldn't mind coming with you on that one. Okay. Yeah, I'll take you up on that. All right, so let's make it smart. Okay. Did I hear zero packaging? And if so... Well, my question was going to be to you. Could I do one meal a day, zero packaging? You tell me. I mean, if I, I can tell you this. You can go for a week without any packaging, but it'll be really hard. Mm -hmm. But you might like the hard. Mm -hmm. But I've never been one to turn down a challenge. All that's, all that's necessary now is that you, you take on some challenge. Yeah. That, that you do it because it doesn't have to be the hardest challenge. If, if you would thrive doing something really hard and you'll mm -hmm. do it like modestly hard, You'll move. You'll take on more. So just not something that you won't, that'll blow you out of the water now. Yeah, I could do it. I reckon I could do it for a week. So no packaging. And by the way, I'll mention what I did. Uh -huh. I didn't have zero. I bought no packaging for that for one week. So I allowed myself to finish what was in my cupboards, mm -hmm. for example. Yeah. But I ruled out stickers and rubber bands. So I had to like go through and like if that apple had a sticker on it, I had to get a different apple. So, but... You can't possibly foresee everything that will come up now. So you may have to figure things out on the fly. Mm -hmm. But the more specific you can make it now, the more you'll be able to do it. Yeah. Fine. Okay. Well, that's it. That's so, going to be that. So, that's, what, so let's specify it. Okay, then. Specify it. You, and I can't, it can't Zero. be me. <laughs> okay, whose interview is, whose podcast is it now? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Zero packaging for a week. Okay, buying none, or, or will you eat stuff in your cupboards like I did? I'll or? eat stuff in the cupboards, cause we, but there's not a lot there. It's mainly spices and herbs and, and things mm. like that. Oh, and I also allowed, if I brought a bag with me, I would get bulk food. So I'd buy nuts and grains. No, I mean, I've got, I don't know what you call it, bags that aren't reusable. They're like hemp type bags. Mm -hmm. And I've got bags we got in Mexico that put veggies in that take them to the supermarket already. So I don't yeah, have to I use don't, plastic. Personally, I don't count that if it's reusable and I've had it for oh, a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's easy enough. I could do that. So and yes, you have a bulk so, food store near you where you get the bulk stuff? Well, I could certainly get enough to in Whole Foods to buy all the, the grains and beans and stuff. And I okay. could cook enough. I could do tons of soups easily. I could mm. live a week 
on soups and I don't know where I'd get my loose berries from. But and I can get loose bread from the butcher down the road. Yeah, I could definitely do it. I'll document it. I'll make a wee blog. Well, let's let's and I'll do that. How let's talk that? again in a week because yeah. I'd like to hear. I, yeah. I I love hearing the stories. Okay. I, it's and by the way, for people listening, I don't know about anyone else, but I believed when I started asking these questions that everyone would have the same motivation that I did, and not one person has given given the same answer twice. And no no two people have given the same answer. And I love hearing people's motivations. And whoever's listening to me, whatever you think your reason is, it's probably not what you think. It's probably deeper. And whatever you think someone else might have, it's probably also you're going to learn something about your husband, your wife, whoever, your kids. And you're going to love what you hear. It's really interesting. And when you're going to have some challenges that you face, and I predict you're going to like them. And if you find it easy, you will take it on yourself to do more. If you find it hard, you'll adjust. And yeah, I mean... I think you're going to like it. Cool. Okay. Back to the final questions. There's a whole ton of stuff. Oh, by the way, can you just... I'm just going to say something and you have to respond because I'm going to have to make this a two-parter. Can we do quick fires? Ah? Uh? You live by values. We ask, what principles do you stand by? Oh, I mean, do unto others, I think, is... is I just try to treat people how, want, how I'd want to be treated myself. That I think was, that's probably that, the biggest one. That was the number one thing voted by Channel 4 in the UK, the old listeners. Uh-huh. One of the big channels in the UK is the the number one principle of the century at the I time think of it's the millennium. A, I hear it's in every culture. It, exactly. Look it for. Is, yeah. yeah. It's great. What hard choices have you had to make that might have been tough at the time but turned out to be the right decision? Oh, man. I mean, there's a lot. It, in the context, the first thing that comes to mind is when the company was nearly bankrupt. This is in the early 2000s. And we had to let people go. And I cried. It was brutal for everyone and probably least of all for me. But I don't have to tell the reasons why companies sometimes have to let people go. Mm. Eventually, I got let go myself and I had founded the company. Ouch. Was this the company that you were doing the moving images and the trains? Yes. I remember when I was was working at McCann in London at the time Uh and it was in the... The Heathrow Express. Yes, a competitor of ours. Yeah, we, it was competitive. What was it? We did get to, uh, they went out of business and we got control of that one for a little mm-hmm. while. Because you were created a technology that used light to project images on in tunnels when trains were passing. Is I wouldn't correct? say project. It was, or it, was a, it was screens with an optic in front. Mm-hmm. The optic acted like a shutter in a motion picture projector. So in, in a motion picture projector, you're sitting still and there's a film reel that's moving and the shutter that opens and closes. Here, the film is still, you're moving, and the shutter is a little more mechanically simple, but hard to grasp for most So essentially, people. it would be a piece of film as you're pass- passing Yeah, frame by one, frame two, frame three, yeah. frame four. Yeah, and then a thing It was great. Front. I haven't seen it recently. Yeah, you know, today, everyone has a screen in their hands, yeah, and so. the market is a little, it's not there anymore. Okay, but things moved on after that. Yeah, I mean, the company's not bankrupt, and I've worked again with the company, but I was out for a while. Ouch. Okay. Where do you go to discover new ideas? Man, I got to go with what this interaction with uh, David Allen, who wrote Getting Things Done, and which I highly recommend. And I read his book. I met him at a book launch, someone else's book launch, and he was there, and we were talking, and I said, I read your book, and I don't think it really made me more productive. And he goes, it's not about productivity. It's about mental freedom. If your mind is preoccupied with something, you can give yourself all the time in the world and you can free yourself up as much as you want from material stuff, a, a distraction. But if your mind is distracted, you can't come up with anything. Mm-hmm. If your mind is not distracted, which is what his book is about, then you can come up with stuff and you will all the time. So to me, it's how do I remove, like if I'm thinking, I'm talking to you now, but in 10 minutes or maybe it's 15 minutes, maybe it's five minutes, I got to call someone. I'm not with you. Mm-hmm. So I go to David's, the, my take on David's GTD stuff of how to, when stuff comes into my life, how do I figure out how to put it somewhere so that when I need it, it's there, and when I don't need it, it's not there. I don't know how to put it better than that. Okay. But that mental freedom that I got from him and his book, that's where the lack of that means I don't come up with ideas. With that, it gives me a chance. Okay. So we've not had that answer before. Have you uh, come across Nia Eyal's new book, Distraction? Yes. In fact, wait. 
Indistractable. Indistractable, yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah, I met him and um, he spoke at uh, Stand Up New York a little while ago. Yeah, he's a great guy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Who's. Who oh, and I implemented stuff from there, which I found very helpful. What were the things that he did? There's a 10 minute rule that I did. One of his 10 minutes. I started doing some stuff and I was like, ah, cool. This is, this is really working. So I recommend the book. Yeah. No, I read his last one, Hooked, and I used that I a lot. That, but yeah. yeah, this is the opposite of it. But yeah, I, I love the fact that he's done that and what the guys at the Center for Humane Technology are doing as well. I um, can't speak to that. Yeah. Who has made you reevaluate yourself? Who has made me reevaluate? Oh, man. Here's what comes to mind is, do you, have you met Chris Shambra? No. So he does these dinners, and at the end of the dinner, he has everyone say, who's someone that you want to express gratitude to that you, have, that you don't enough? And for him, the number one answer is mothers. But my answer was the women who I've loved and who've loved me, but who eventually left me. Because I thought that, because when I thought there was a relationship that would last longer and it didn't, mm -hmm. I thought I was, they were someone that, each woman was a woman that I loved and wanted to be a part of my life. And I thought that she loved me and there's something about me that someone that I wanted to love me found didn't love. And after they left, then I knew something to change about myself. Hmm. So there, the ones that left me have revealed to me things about myself that were against my own values that someone that, someone that I loved didn't like. Mm -hmm. And a lot of those things have made me the man that I am today, however many tears made that happen lovely it's, it's an interesting perspective because if they'd the stayed with me breakdown. if if they'd stayed with me and i was not a man that they loved then that relationship wouldn't mm -hmm. work how do you keep up with technology oh, technology i mean a lot of it i'm not how to put it does it improve my life i guess it's kind of like the marie kondo it, it, like is this going to make my life better so facebook i was like really big on at the very, very beginning. Mm -hmm. And then it, it became very clear what was going to happen. And I was like, oh, I got to get off of this one. And I don't know if Facebook counts as technology, but certainly the not flying has really, technology is really different than I thought. Mm -hmm. Most of it is not to make people's lives better. And I, I, I try to think of the effect of it. My pressure cooker, love it. My rowing machine, love it. I think, I don't know if these count as technology, but I certainly, they are, I love having these things in my life. But my cell phone is really old and it does everything I want it to do, which is call, text, and it's, it's a hotspot. And I see no need to change it. I see people buying the latest one. I'm like, what? And then you see them and they're like stuck in their phone. I don't, mm -hmm. I, I don't know. What's the effect it's going to have on my life? Okay, good answer. The impossible question, what would your advice be to someone who's just about to graduate study or might have a dream, a, a grand ambition that's been told by someone, forget it, that's impossible? What would I say to someone who has just graduated, they're about to embark on something, and someone says that's yeah, impossible? And, and they're being told by everyone around them to forget your dream, your grand ambition. It's just not possible. I, it's, okay, so if, there's, if, if the person believes it's possible and other people believe it's not possible... Yeah, they're being told being surrounded by people telling them it's not possible. I mean, if, if that's happened to me, I would want to ask these people more and more, why do you think something that I don't? I, at the very least, I have something to learn from that person. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you have to understand the source of this is disagreement, whether you're going to act on it or not. Mm -hmm. I, would, I mean, I would seek to understand that difference before acting. If they see the world one way, you see the world a different way. What's the nature of that difference? You're just telling me that they're disagreeing, but not why. Mm -hmm. And if the person doesn't know why, then, I mean, if you're saying, I'm going to make a faster than light travel mechanism, probably you should listen to them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but if you're saying, I'm going to help the world pollute less and enjoy the process, probably it might be that you're onto something that they don't get. Mm -hmm. I don't, if all I know is that there, you believe one, this person believes one thing and everyone else believes something different, all I know is a discrepancy between the beliefs. I don't know how to act on that otherwise. Understand that discrepancy. Listen, ask questions, understand these people, ask yourself questions, get this difference. Mm -hmm. 
is it something you want to go for? Is it something that maybe you're missing something? Find that out. Okay. Act based, act based on awareness. All right. If you could return to one point in history, what would it be for, when, and, and why? There's a pretty good chance I'd want to be in, in 1774, 1775, what's now the United States. I'm the, when you asked before about principles that I live by, a big environmental, something that informs me on the environment, but a lot of other things. When I was in grade school, we were learning about the Constitution. And the U.S. Constitution has this one part where it says, like, the federal laws supersede the state laws. The highest law of the land is the Constitution. Oh, but wait, there's something higher. Treaties with other countries. I thought, what? That doesn't make sense. Why are not laws? Why are our own laws not the highest? And a treaty is not worth anything if no one expects you to follow it. You got to go into that really deeply. What my my word to others is very important. And I I wanted to add that to before. The, my a lot of the U.S. a lot of my environmental stuff it comes from that that part of the Constitution and my learning that that how I behave with respect to others. That's that's one of my foundations for stewardship. And a lot of principles seem to, this, this document has lasted a long time. And I, my country's got a lot of problems and I still love it here. And I think those people, I, I'd be very interested to live in those times. Mm-hmm. People made some really tough decisions and they put their lives at risk and some lost their lives. And they wrote down some stuff that thought through in a very, in an amazing way that I think I, I would love to learn from them. I'd love to see if when I was in that situation, would I make the decisions that I think a lot of people today want to and, and aren't? And maybe I could have fixed a few things about the Constitution. Slavery, I don't think, did anyone any favors. Anyone, even the people who thought they were benefiting monetarily. And would I be able to do anything about it? I don't know. I'm not sure if the banking system... I'm a, anyway, I don't know if I would have changed it. I certainly would have liked to have been a fly on the wall if nothing mm-hmm. else. Yeah, that would be fascinating. What's a question that no one's ever asked you that you wish they had? I'm going to add to that a little bit that if anyone who reads Leadership Step by Step will see that Unit 4 of How to Lead Others... By the way, to, I'm halfway through it. Okay. Yeah. The Doing the exercises will take you five months if you do one exercise I, per week. I know, it's, it's, it's tough. So now I'm honored and flattered, and I want to pause to give that to give you the the what's the word uh, to honor you back. The reasons. That's a good the, one. Yeah. I never thought about that before. Didn't it? make that one up. Yeah, that's uh, amazing. That one's from John Kabat Zinn. All mm. oh, right. Okay. And yeah, I don't care if I made it up. I care if it works. And all right, the unit four in a nutshell is how is to learn to behave and communicate in ways to make the other person feel comfortable sharing what motivates them, what they care about which most of the time they protect because it makes them feel vulnerable. Mm -hmm. When you connect that passion, that motivation to a task, that task will feel to them like inspiration. They'll do it for themselves. That, and oftentimes when I teach people that, they come back and they say, many times people come back and say, "I, I did it and it brought tears to the eyes of gratitude of the person that I was leading this way. And a lot of people say, how can I get my boss to learn these things so that they can lead me this way? I want to be treated that way. And I would love, anyone who reads that book, let's put it all out there. If a girl wants me to fall in love with her, that's how to do it. And no one's gotten this. I'm like, <laughs> I would love for someone to do the exercises in, in chapter 17, but 18 and 19. And see, it's not just asking the questions. There's a question like, what's it, what are you passionate about? What's a passion of yours besides work and family? And people, they just get that question. The next step is to make the person, to show us non-judgmental support and to, to put yourself in the background until they feel comfortable because at first they don't want to answer that question. Or they do, but they're protecting themselves. And then you have to keep supporting them until what comes out, their great passions come out. And I got so much in me. There have been times when I've shared the things that I'm passionate about and the person doesn't recognize that what I said was so meaningful mm-hmm. to me and it feels devalued. It feels like they missed it. Mm-hmm. And they're, oh, that's something about Josh. But it's something really deep about me. And there's nothing special about me in this regard. I think we all are like this. Why, do you, for, think, why do you think they miss it? 
Well, okay. One time I was da- I was dating this girl. No, I was dating around. And there was a girl I'd met, I don't know, online or maybe at a party or something. We went on a date. And I said, you know, I've been trying to open up more with people. And so I told myself, I'm going to share with her a fantasy of mine. Because, you know, we all have fantasies. We all have a download history. We all know why there's uh, secret browsing on browsers. Because it's mm-hmm. we want it. And we're scared for other people to find out. So I mentioned her. We're like, as we're coming up to, I'm gonna, I, we're talking about sex and I'm talking about like, I tell her about a fantasy of mine. I'm not going to tell what you what it is. And I mentioned her and she just <laughs> was like, oh, kind of interesting. And we just, like I was, like my ears are ringing. I'm like, palm to sweating. And I say it and for better or for worse, she just doesn't notice that I said anything really big. As far as she can tell, I guess, as far as I could tell, she just presumed this was something I say to everyone. But I never told anyone before. And, and. Did you tell her that? No, because it was like, I it, I felt like, Actually, I just lost a lot from her. I just was like, oh, it's not a big deal. And like, I mean, I guess I could have told, I don't think it would come across. But in any case, the question to me now is, is do you want someone, a question for someone to ask me? And that's for someone to ask me, you know, what I'm passionate about, but then to do the steps of how to make me feel understood, how to, and then ideally connect that to something that I never would have before. When I do this others all the time, they're like, you know, I never noticed that before. And I've never I've never had that the way I've seen it in others. And someday someone's gonna read that book and be like, Oh, I'm gonna make Josh really like I'm gonna make Josh feel great. Uh-huh. And that person is gonna be someone that I'm really gonna care about. And that's so that process, the question plus a little bit more. See, Patina, there you go. That's the reason why we always have to finish the books before we do the interviews. <laughs> I could have asked that question. Right. Well, if you asked the question but didn't do the follow-up parts. Oh, of, no, no, totally. I'm with you on that. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. it takes, you got to pra- practice it five or ten times to really start getting the hang of it, but yeah. then dozens before you really, it really sinks in, just like playing scales. You got to do it a lot. Well, I look forward to that chapter. I look forward to hearing how it goes. What book, apart from yours, should we offer? Oh, oh I'm sorry. Oh. I just remember there's a coaching client I had and I'm teaching her or coaching her through leadership stuff because she's been promoted. And she, uh-huh. Okay. So one time I'm talking to her, we have, we, we meet each week for an hour and usually I give her an exercise and then she does the exercise over the course of the week. And then the following week we, we review how it went. So one time we we're talking and we've been on the phone for nearly the entire hour and I've been talking almost the entire time. And sometimes I indulge in talking about just sharing my stories, but I've been enjoying this conversation. And at the end I'm like, I'm sorry, we, we have to, I can't charge you for this hour because I was just talking the whole time. And she goes, I was doing your exercise on you. I was like, oh my God, you're right. So she did it and she felt great about the hour. She didn't, she didn't ask for another hour, even though I offered it because she'd done it. It makes per- people feel great opening up. And, and that was a time when someone had done it with me and I, I just really enjoyed sharing and she had practiced without telling me. That's very cool. Yeah. Okay. So, apart from your book, what book would you like us to offer listeners that submit the best comments in the comment section? Well, since I said um, do unto others, I often go with Ben's Search for Meaning. And I, oh, I imagine that's a, yeah, and yeah. I imagine that's a, a popular answer. No, I've only had that once before. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which one is it? Victor Frankl, Victor Frank- Man's Search for Meaning. Oh, no, first time. Yeah, that I, one... No, I think we've had it once before. Mm-hmm. No? If, no? If not, then... Get better guests. No, That's no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and also very closely related is The Diving Bell and the Butterfly. Oh, yeah. And a book that not, not many people know, but it's called Gimp. And it's by a guy who was in a movie called Murderball. And it's a similar situation where a guy through life mm-hmm. is, he happened to be bound a wheelchair. He was an athlete and was stuck in a wheelchair from a drunk driving accident that he was not, he, mm-hmm. it wasn't him. He, and the, in Diving Bound the Butterfly, he was locked in. In Viktor Frankl, it was the Nazis. And what do you do about it? Yeah, You can't, no one would choose these things. And he lived a better life as a result of it than he had, he would have had he not had this happen. And these are the skill, if we can all make our lives I mean, he, at first, he, uh, by the way, the, the reason I like Gimp is because it, it was the closest to me. I've not been captured by Nazis. I've not been locked in. But I have been an athlete. And so he was the closest to me. And I, 
one time someone was over and I was eating some, I was chopping some vegetables and one of them was, let's say it's gotten moldy at one end, but the other end is not moldy. Then you might chop the moldy part off. Different people will chop at a different point. Like some people will throw the whole thing out. Some people might even eat the moldy part. I want to cut, I'm going to cut pretty close to the mold. And someone says, you know, maybe that's too much. And I said, thinking Victor Frankl, I would say, what would someone in a concentration camp do? And they're like, what? <laughs> but to me, there's more of life as a result of reading that book yeah. that I can enjoy and savor and it hasn't gotten me sick. Mm -hmm. In the context, I hope it, it makes sense. Like, because that really did throw that person for a loop of why yeah. I said that. No, that's true. I think so. Yeah, it's a great book. I've read it a couple of times. Very yeah. Meaningful. Oh, and one more. Uh, the Tao Te Ching. The Tao Te Ching. The Taoism book. Oh, right. Okay. It's the book that Taoism is based on, uh -huh. uh, one of them. And in particular, there's a translation that's made into like modern English, not. So I have no idea how accurate it is. But it was the great. It provided me the greatest access. So I Ron Hogan, and it's a free download. So if you look up Dao Te Ching, Ron Hogan, it's at Beatrice.com. You can pay for it, or you can buy it. You get the free download too. Okay, we'll do that. Final question: Who should we interview next? Of, for me to introduce, or I mean, ideally, so ideally, I, if you know someone you think, I mean, I would, <laughs> I want you to get Oprah and then pass her off to me. <laughs> Well, we know uh, who we might get to Oprah. Corey. Corey Cambridge? Yeah, you, he can pick up the phone and get to anyone. I mean, think about I know, it. Yeah, he's incredible. That's a bit of a stretch, I would yeah. say, for now. For well, now. we'll take that one as a challenge, but then mm -hmm. give us someone else to interview in the meantime, because it might take us a wee bit of time to get okay. to Oprah. And you're, you're doing Daniel already? No. No, Daniel doesn't want to be interviewed. All the more reason. I mean, there's someone, there's a few people who have been on my podcast who have been tremendous. And Lorna Davis comes to mind. She's big in the B Corp movement uh -huh. and has just retired. And she was wonderful. And listen to that podcast episode. Dove Barron was a rock star. And he's like a leadership guru. Uh -huh. And he's probably taken my challenges the most enthusiastically and went the farthest with it. Those two come to mind uh, without taking away from any of the others. That's good. We'll focus on Lorna. Okay. Sounds good. Well, just wrap up. So thank you very much for your time, your generosity. Thank you for your amazing answers. I acknowledge you for your intellect, your sacrifices you've made clearly in your life that have set a standard to other people in society to follow by. I think you are a, an inspiration. And clearly, having written a book on leadership, you are living that leadership role and giving us something to aspire to and an inspiration for us to all get behind in terms of our changing behaviours. And I hope that in taking up your challenge over the next couple of weeks, I can then sort of pass on those challenges to other people in the, in the Impossible Network as well and take your IP and help spread the effect of the behaviour change that needs to happen in society. I... I, it's hard for me to figure out how to answer that. I, I, it makes me feel great. And I'm probably sitting a little bit above the couch now. And the greatest changes have come from feeling swept up in something. I mean, we live in a time of huge challenge. Mm -hmm. And I hope that along with sharing the challenges with people, if if there is inspiration in, in, in what I do and what I say, I hope that what you share ultimately is a joy. Mm that I believe is available to all of us. Well, I know where there will be joy. It'll be my partner getting my, my cooked meals because I know they're, <laughs> I'm going to be putting a lot more effort into them and it's going to be easier. So it'll be joy for me. Uh, it might be a bit more joyful for her. Well, and then extrapolate that to keep going to more and more and more parts of yeah. your life and more and more no, people around you. That's, mm -hmm. that's, I believe that's what's happened to me and I believe that that's available to all of us and I hope we all grasp it. And, you know, the, the challenges come of not getting to see the distant people and not getting to, I don't know, that I hope that the, it brings as much joy to people as it does to me, even I, though it doesn't look that way from the start. Okay, well, there's definitely going to be a follow-up here, that's for sure. <laughs> but Joshua, thank you very much for your time. Really appreciate it and look forward to doing a little follow-up in a couple of weeks' time and reporting back. Maybe you have to come around for dinner. 
That would be lovely. That would be the acid test, wouldn't it? Bettina, you might, you're gonna, you might have to come around as well. Right. Okay. I'll bring something unpackaged. Perfect. <laughs> I don't know what we do about the wine. Okay. It's packaged though. You can't. It's bottle. No, you're not allowed to do that, are you? Someone's been asking me something that I haven't. I, I've slowly I, over this time, I've been finishing the alcohol in my cupboard without replacing it. And someone apparently in Europe, you can go to lots of places and get the bottles refilled. Yeah. yeah. And I, I know I've been doing that with my soy sauce and slight problem there, plain. Well, so there, there may, I, mean, I know there are places where you can refill beer mm-hmm. in the city. I'm sure we could go to Long Island and do it. And do some wine? Yeah. It might be. Yeah, I haven't looked into it. But the more people I share stuff with, like I've been able to get, do you know natto, this Japanese? I got some natto and it was really good. And I found out a place in Brooklyn where I can go and they'll fill my container with natto. And it's really, really good. So maybe we will be the ones who find wine or bourbon or something like that. There we go. All right talking of wine (laughs) right okay thanks very much thank you if you like the show please subscribe and ideally give us a five star rating and a review because it helps more people find us just go to iTunes Spotify or your favourite podcast player to listen and subscribe if you want to learn more or have someone you'd like us to interview just visit theimpossiblenetwork.com or DM us on Instagram at theimpossiblenetwork this show is an Impossible Network production and is produced by Bettina McKaylee and Elaine Castillo-Keller But for now, be curious, be creative, and seek out serendipity. See you next time.